You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast, and we are under 48 hours away from Illinois football starting the 2021 college football season against Nebraska. 12-20 kickoff on uh, Fox, so a national spotlight game. Brett Bielma is on SportsCenter. He's going on every radio show uh, in Chicago, St. Louis this week, and it's all leading up to this game, and I feel like on this podcast, we have broken down this game quite enough. Uh, Jay Lehman helped me break it down. We're talking to Mike Schaefer from Nebraska. So, Joey Wagner, I figure we'd have a little fun on this Thursday, uh, have a little fun about the whole season, and make our bold predictions uh, for this season, but uh, before we get that just a few little notes from Brett Bioma. Sounds like they're going to have about 40 recruits on campus. I've talked with several of the commits. About half the class of 2022 is going to be on campus. So we'll get some 2023 kids down here as well. Uh, and he updated. I know there's been some rumors of, of some injuries, and I guess we'll finally find out at game time. But Brett Bioma said um, that Jordan Slaughter, who's out for the season with an ankle fracture, and Marquez Beeson, who's coming back from a hamstring injury, are the only guys out. So uh, before we we get to game time uh, any final thoughts uh, about this game against nebraska joey this is a test of how much i'm going to trust brett bielma on game weeks right like <laughs> well let's see if all of this I, I, right now i have no reason to not believe him right i mean we, we, he's not he's not lied to us that we know of yet so it's be a good test of, of the trust we have but the, the more we get closer to this jeremy it's this is so much of can illinois finally stop or slow or contain or make life somewhat difficult for Adrian Martinez, right? Like that's what I keep coming back to every time I think of this game. Is, Scott Frost did it last year, right? He did the job for Illinois by yeah. having Adrian Martinez in the sideline, which made no sense. Yeah. And I keep, you know, I know there's some, maybe some, we'll see what the offense looks like, blah, blah, blah. But to me, this comes down so much to, to Adrian Martinez, and, and he has just been a miserable person for Illinois to have to see for two years, um, the third inexplicably not so. But I, I just keep coming back to that, man. As we get closer, that's the, the way my mind keeps ending. Yeah. Well, even when he came in the game last year, he was far better than Luke McCaffrey. say, wait, if this guy were playing all game, maybe they would have had a chance against Illinois. Maybe they would have won uh, yet again against Lovey Smith. For me, Joy, I keep coming back to, and this is going to be my storyline uh, in my preview and picks. It's going to go up uh, later tonight. Um, I keep going to back to like what an opportunity this is for Illinois. I think for Nebraska, this is a really nerve-wracking game. But there are so many Illinois fans, kind of like that North Carolina game for Lovey Smith this first year, that are excited, that, that want to see this. You have a national stage against a Power 5 opponent, let alone a Big Ten West divisional opponent that you're trying to leap in the Big Ten. Um, you have a great opportunity with the national spotlight on you, uh, a chance to get a 1-0 start, a chance to... Uh, maybe get a recruiting boost from this and really a chance to get fans bought in 
right? And sell tickets for the following weeks and all that revenue that is so important to the athletic department after losing money last year because of the pandemic. Uh, but also just to instill some belief in that room. Like, I think football players and, and football teams are a little bit more resilient than fans, but fans would bail. Uh, like, some who are excited after if they lose and, and lose by a couple scores. I think Illinois football can bounce back from, from one loss. It is one of 12 games. But there is a level of excitement that you could get from a 1-0 start. And then if you can follow that up at UTSA with a 2-0 start, people start talking about Brett Bielema and they could sell that in recruiting where they're already doing relatively well, but maybe they could take it up another level. So I keep coming back to like how big of an opportunity uh, this is for Brett Bielema, especially with with so many seniors uh, back and and, and a winnable opponent in in Nebraska. Not that you should take them lightly because they do have some talent. I also think, and I've talked to some people about this, like a lot of people think Illinois is a basketball school and, and there's enough reason to to think that. And, and you know, it's, it always ends up being in the middle of October and you get the Twitters, uh, is it basketball season yet? But I don't think football fans are that far away from jumping all the way onto this, this bandwagon here. I just think they need a reason to, and it's been really hard for them to find that reason. I, mean, I don't think Illinois has to go three and one, three and oh for fans to come back. I think they get the first one, and they'll at least buy a little bit of, of good graces with the fans. And I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but I don't think football fans are like far away from jumping on board. And I agree with this is huge to, to kind of build that. Well, and that's the thing about Illinois past times. They've done that like, Oh, one who they're celebrating this weekend. They followed that up with a non bowl season, right? You go 10 and two, go to the Sugar bowl and win the big 10 championship. And then you, fall on your face uh after the rose bowl they go five and seven they lose to bill cubit in western michigan in detroit at a mostly empty ford field like you just can't sustain that momentum even lovey smith as you win four games in a row including two of the best games i've ever seen against wisconsin and michigan state you follow that up with three straight losses and then a two and six season so um yeah you only get one chance to make a first impression and while you can make a better second impression or third or eighth impression, um, this is a great opportunity uh, for Illinois and Brett Bielma. It's not the end-all, be-all, uh, but certainly if you win, feels like uh, you got a great chance here, not only for this season, but just for the coming months uh, of what your program can do. All right, Joey, let's get into some bold predictions. Should we start with the macro or the micro? Like, Should we start with our season predictions or should we go with like the little pieces what do you think let's go with the season man then we'll, we'll zone in after that let's let's do it all right joey i'll let you go first since people are gonna love what you have to say look so oh man now you make it sound like yeah get a load of this guy um i think they're gonna go to a bowl game and i'll tell you jeremy i was reading your your uh you know your season picks here and and it was like a thriller dude it's like okay they're at five and i think you had them at five and three maybe if i'm not mistaken i think i well i had them at four and two and then at some point five and four with the chance to right. clinch bull eligibility in the last three games, which is a very difficult stretch of games to end the year. It is. And I'm reading that. I'm like, what's going to happen here? Like I could have just scrolled to the bottom, but I, I read it and I, I don't know how they're going to do it. And I, I think the only ones that I would look at this, Nick, they're going to win this game is Charlotte. I mean, if not, boy. Well, and remember tough. Charlotte two years ago, like Will Healy was this big name. Like, I think we had him like, hey, this is a guy we got to have on my list back in 2019 <laughs> when only he was two and four, because look what he's doing at Charlotte. Um, yeah. So, but they, they struggled last year, had a lot of COVID disruptions. But I, what I'm saying is like, Charlotte, you should beat when you're Illinois, but they did have a good year two years ago. They did. And I think like, 
last, I keep looking at like last year's non-con schedule before it was wiped away and how great of an opportunity. This is not that. No. This is not that at all. This is tough. Like, but if you're, you know, if you're trying to build this, if you're a power five Big Ten team and you don't want to be at the basement of the Big Ten, it should not, people shouldn't step back and say, wait, are you sure when you say they should beat UTSA? Right? I mean, that's it's just what Big Ten teams are supposed to do. So I, I think the non-con, if you can go two and one, I mean, three and oh, Virginia's, you know, they're pretty solid, really. I mean, probably overlooked a little bit like UTSA. but Virginia's kind of what Illinois wants to be, right? Like it's this program yeah. that struggled for years and finally has found some stability. And like last year, they had a disappointing year and they were five and five. Yeah, that's uh, – meanwhile, people read your prediction like, wait a second. I'm not going to give too much away. We got five wins and people are like, Oh man, what a year this would be. So, well, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to get there. I really don't, but I just, until at least three o'clock on Saturday, I, I have enough to, to just the listening we've done. And I mean, look, Brett's record gives him the benefit of the doubt. I understand Arkansas and someone's going to come screaming in Arkansas, this Arkansas. I get that. Like I get it. That happened. I just think he's got a plan. I think he's executed it. And I don't think they're going to upset Penn State at at all. I I don't think they're going to upset Wisconsin. They probably won't beat Iowa, right? Like those are three not easy games. But I think the rest of them you could look at and be like, one, don't get blown out. That that party has happened far too many times. And two, I just don't think these are like no way, no how games for Illinois on those days. Again, three o'clock on Saturday, I'm deleting this pod from the internet. This never (laughs) happened, but... For right now, I think it's I, I think the road exists. Yeah, like I, I think there's a reason people outside of Illinois are are low on them, right? Because Illinois just hasn't been good. They they haven't been good. They haven't been for a long time. There's not a lot of certain NFL draft picks. I don't know if there's really any right now uh, on this team. Like I feel good about Vidarian Lowe. Uh, I feel good. Like Roderick Perry should be in a camp. Blake Hayes should be in a camp, right? Like um, Tony Adams will be in a camp. Jake Hansen. Like, but how many guys are certain NFL draft picks? I I I don't know. I don't know if I can say that right now. I feel like you got a lot of guys who are, you know, fifth round projections to undrafted free agents. Um, so, but you have a lot of those guys, which is really interesting. I feel like there's 12 guys who could be on that list alone, which is an improvement um, for Illinois. But like, I feel confident in my bold prediction being they cover this over under of three and a half. Like I, I have very little doubts of that because even last year, Joey, they were two and six in an eight-game schedule that was pretty difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and they had Ohio State in the schedule, so it probably would have been two and seven. But, like, COVID disrupted that year. Like, I still feel like last year at full strength, they would have won against Purdue or had a good game, like a competitive game against Minnesota. There's enough talent here that they should find a couple Big Ten wins. And then with UTSA uh, and Charlotte on the schedule, crossovers at home against Maryland and Rutgers, I just feel like four wins should be my minimum of expectation. Um, so if they don't get to that number, I'd be concerned about what's going on here. But like I predicted five wins. And I could I could have easily been the real optimist and said bowl game sure that's definitely that should be my expectation, but I just maybe it's the burn of last year a little bit or maybe it's just the understanding that the Big Ten is is better like Rutgers is not an easy win Maryland is not an easy win Purdue is not an easy win Nebraska is not an easy win and go on and on and on like Minnesota is way better 
than it used to be. And, and Iowa Northwestern uh, haven't gone anywhere. I think Penn State's going to be really good this year. And, of course, Wisconsin, uh, outside of 2019, has owned Illinois. So there's just a lot of tough games. And I feel like injuries for this team could really hurt um, yeah. in certain spots. So, well, I feel really bullish about this staff and what they could do long-term and really how they can get the most out of this group. What is the most out of this group? I think it could be seven wins if everything falls right. I think it could be four. Um, you know, if if things don't go exactly as planned and they they lose some close games, so I, I kind of split the difference and went with five. But I think they cover. I think they cover because I think this this staff will put um, this this team and this roster in better positions to succeed uh, than Lovey Smith and his staff did last year. Agreed. And I think the injuries is a huge thing, right? Like if. I keep in my mind replaying those end of the season Northwestern games where there's just like literally almost nobody left at, at some, uh, especially the skill positions. And, you know, we, we've heard a lot of good things. And some injuries are just freak accidents, right? Like those happen, unfortunately. But we've heard a lot of good things about how Tank Wright prepares to, to try to withstand the, the grind of a 12 or what they hope is probably 13 or more game season. Uh, not or more, probably 13 would be a, a good spot for them. But, you know, if they get to that, you know, those final weeks and they're relatively healthy, build a statue of Tank Wright, right? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. seriously. That's, well, think about what they had at linebacker late last year or wide receiver two years ago. Remember, like, Matt Robinson had an awful game against Northwestern, but who was he throwing to? Like, he barely had anyone available. And then last year, Michael Marques is starting a linebacker late in the year. Yeah, it, it's just been really, really rough for them. But I, I think there are really – Considering two years ago, there was like no positions, I think, that they could have withstood injuries, right? Like there was almost none. Now, you, if you have one or two, one on the offensive line, the world's not caving in, I don't think. I, I think there are enough pieces that you can. Two, you're in trouble. Two, you're in trouble. Two, you're in trouble, yeah. But I think there are enough pieces you can sustain one. I think linebacker, inside linebacker, if one of those guys goes down, you don't love it. But those guys there, I think running back is a similar situation. But not much more after that, man. They're, yeah. they're just corner, be. corner, wide receiver, offensive line, safety, um, safety. I mean, you got outside a couple guys linebacker. at safety, but like, how good are they? I don't know. Outside linebacker, absolutely. Like the front uh, on on defense and offense, I'm a little bit concerned about, and and wide receiver and, and DB. Like quarterback, I feel like if Brandon Peters goes out, you got a guy who gives you a chance, right? In Art Sikowski, because I think he'd been, you, you know, he gave Rutgers a chance last year yep. and, and was a part of uh, a couple wins for them uh, last year. So I just think he's solid. I think he's an upgrade over what you had for the most part, especially with what they want in quarterbacks. But yeah, depth, depth is a concern. It's something, you know, you always think about the best case scenario and you're always imagining, you know, Brandon Peters lining up against Iowa and you got a chance. It's like, that might not be the case, right? Or, or, or is Jamal Woods and, and Roderick Perry, like, are they going to be there in, in this game against this team where you need them uh, compared to say like Calvin Avery's got to play 40 snaps. Like that's, there's a big difference between some of those things. And uh, that's the difference between teams like Wisconsin, Ohio state, Penn state, a lot of times and, and teams like Illinois or Purdue. Yeah. And, and it's just, again, you build the program. You would have thought where this program has been building, you could withstand it a little better. It's just the cold truth that what we see right now, given what we've seen proven, that's just not, that's not happening. Um, 
Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I, I, I said bowl game, and I, I think that – Which isn't ridiculous. It, I, I don't think it's yeah, being ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think no. I can see that, but I can also see this going a little bit sideways. And, and I want to see if this team can stop those skids, right? I mean, they happened in a game where you would lose a little momentum, and then it was just like gone, 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 and, and that was the end of it. And then those scores looked horrible at the end. And, you know, Wisconsin last year comes to mind. Uh, it got ugly, like flat out – Ugly, but it wasn't always. Or how about Iowa? You're up yeah. 14 to nothing, and they make a run, which is fine. That's going to happen. But they have a 21-14 lead. Just have a good drive, right? Like on defense or on offense, that can kind of turn the tide, and it just felt like it snowballed. And it did kind of the year before as well. You think of the Eastern Michigan and um, you know the Nebraska game where they gave up 21 straight points to end that game. Um, and you were able to come back. Uh, and, and get some turnover luck maybe against Wisconsin, and you took advantage of that. And, of course, Michigan State, like, you got down 28-3 to three and you found a way to make this furious comeback. More often than not, you're gonna, not going to be able to do that, right? Like, more often than not, it's probably going to snowball and snowball. So, yeah, being able to stop uh, that kind of downhill effect um, – the players got to do it, right? They got to believe in it. Uh, depth has to matter. Talent has to matter. But coaching uh, matters too. So we've we've repeated it over and over again. But it's amazing the apples to apples comparison we'll get in that. It's, it's one of the like on the macro. It's one of the most interesting like subplots this whole season, right? Is like it's largely the same team that went two and six. I mean, they're a year older, but so is everybody else, right? Like I, I think sometimes the super senior thing. It does matter. I mean, ideally, you prefer this than having like a bunch of sophomores and juniors or freshmen, sophomores. Because if you didn't have the super senior thing, Joey, we'd be talking about a team that's probably going to go two and ten. It'd be a good good place for them to be. Yeah, right. Like I would think that would be fair. But like a lot of people have, you know, some people they've just naturally gotten older. Some teams like Illinois have taken advantage of this this extra year. So I, I mean, I think that matters. This is such. We'll see what it looks like. I mean, I would argue the schedule is difficult, right? I mean, the non-con easily more difficult. So this is such an interesting subplot for, for coaching. And and that's not to say Lubby's a bad coach. The college game, just for whatever reason, it didn't work. And yeah. you could, we have at length pointed to reasons we think why. And the defense is one, two, and three, I would suspect, on, on that list. But that's really interesting. I do want to know, like, what do you think this looks like from a fan base? This is so silly to even ask this because, like, no one else is asking this for, you know, for people. Who, what does 1-0 look like for Illinois fans with a new head coach? Against Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a ton of excitement. I, I think yeah, against I think UTSA, so I don't know if you'll get the same amount of fans as you would for week one against Nebraska, but I already looked at next week's weather. going to be way better. It's like at 80 degrees. Uh, I think it's a I night game. game, right? Yeah, it's going to be like 70 degrees, a 1-0 and team, chance to go 2-0, and people talking about you on Big Ten Network. Our podcast numbers are up probably. <laughs> like, no, I think <laughs> I think there's some real cautious optimism. Probably not even cautious. I think it's just going to be real optimism about what could happen the rest of the year and it wouldn't mean they're making a bowl game but it certainly means got a heck of a better chance if we start one and oh and and potentially two and oh so um yeah i think it's everything you wanted that north carolina game to be uh in lovey smith's first year and and they were just way more talented right they were just way more talented than you uh and after that Keyshawn vaughn touchdown just just went all went down for hill from there and it, it told you hey this is going to be um it's going to take time right for lovey smith to do this and you could see that on saturday Illinois fans might be reminded like, oh, this is a difficult job. Oh, this roster needs work. 
right? And I think that's what Illini fans are hoping not to have is like, if you win, hey, maybe we can have a good year. We understand it's going to step back the year after because of the roster he inherited, but we ha- we'll have some momentum to sell like Jeff Brom had. So I, I think if they lose, fans are going to be like, oh, yeah, it's still Illinois football. Like, it's still a tough job. And even Brett Bielema with a great offseason and winning the offseason, it's, it's going to take some time. And then, by the way, you've got a basketball team that's going to be really stinking good around the corner. And and it's what we've seen it, man. We've seen it covering this team. It's, hey, is it what's going on at Ubbin? Do you guys yeah. think? Meanwhile, there's a football game across the street. So it's a it's an interesting dynamic. And that's not to say that they can't stabilize this, but it's also not to say it's going to happen on Saturday. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I think there is a, a challenge and a depth to that challenge with this job. And, and truth be told, Brett probably knew it when he got hired. Right. I, I mean, it's it's no secret. All right, Joey, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, let's break down some of our individual bold predictions uh, for Illinois football, maybe some team ones as well. That'll be next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's make our individual bold prediction. Shall we start at quarterback, Joey Wagner? And a guy that is getting a sixth opportunity to be a Big Ten quarterback. uh, Had a really up and down, but promising 2019 season and ended it pretty well it was kind of this you know tough guy um without many weapons around him towards the end of that red box bowl season brandon peters uh felt like kind of a, a beacon for what illinois could be in 2020 and and a lot of what my prediction was in 2020 was i thought brandon peters could be a top uh half quarterback of course he missed three games with uh, contracting COVID 19 but one great one great game probably his most complete game ever at nebraska but otherwise, four really poor performances. So do you have a bold prediction for Brandon Peters or Illinois quarterback play? Goodness. I don't think he gets benched. I mean, that's kind of bold when you're talking about Illinois quarterbacks. And and I, I, I asked him a little bit, and I understand why he – and maybe this was his honest feeling, but I wonder if like in two years if I run into Brandon Peters after he's out of Illinois, if, he, if the answer would be the same as – Dude, that's a cloud. Isaiah Williams was a four-star cloud on that bench that got closer and closer and closer with every game. And and I'm sure Brandon Peters had to feel that, right? How do you not? He, he's a smart guy. He, he knows that Isaiah was probably a better fit for Rod's offense. And, and I, I do wonder, and I'm not making excuses for him. I'm not in the business to do that. But I, I do wonder how much that impacted him. I mean, I, I keep coming back. And we've talked about this, Jeremy, this ridiculous Isaiah Williams gets three you know, gets a drive, first three downs against Wisconsin on a fourth down, they put in Brandon Peters. That made 
beyond no sense. And then if you're branded, do you wonder like, what is the rotation here? Right? Like what, what is happening? But my, my bolder prediction, I suppose, is one, he doesn't get benched. I think the numbers look a little bit more like 2019. Yeah. And that wasn't like, holy smoke season, but dude, there was legitimate buzz about Brandon Peters going into 2020. And a lot of it I thought was warranted um, because frankly, Illinois hadn't had anything that sniffed close to that in a while. And, and he, he wasn't a, a net negative at quarterback and, and at Illinois. That's like, Oh my gosh, what, what the Brandon Peters team award for best quarterback, you know, you may as well have named it. So I think it's 2018 touchdowns. That's a lot at Illinois, but in the big scheme of thing, that's not a lot of touchdowns, man. And, you know, I, I would say 18, 19 touchdowns and maybe seven, eight picks. And I, I'd call that a pretty good year. If you think the rest of the offense does what you think it could. Would a bold pick be that he's not top eight in pass efficiency rating? Like, would, would that be bold? I don't know if that's bold enough, but I think that'd be okay as long as he's not what he was last year. Like, you kind of set the standard of, like, if he does what he did in 2019, maybe just a little bit more consistent. Like, I don't expect Brandon Peters to be top five quarterback in the Big Ten. I, I, I just don't. I've, I've seen enough that, like, yeah, coaching can help. You know, may, a scheme can help. But I still have concerns uh, about him accuracy-wise, uh, leadership-wise. I just feel like there's some games where he just kind of gets in the dumps and you can see it. Uh, and I think his teammates could feel it. So he's got to show me uh, or show everybody, I think, that that he can kind of get out of that kind of thing. Um, he does take care of the ball, but I, it's been interesting that Brett Bielema and, and Tony Peterson have both been talking about, like, we need to take him, him to take care of the ball. It makes me wonder, are we missing something in training camp where he's starting to throw some picks here? So, yeah, my, my bold prediction would be not top eight uh, in pass efficiency rating, but that's okay. Like, if he has his 2019 year, where I don't think he was top half in, in the Big Ten, like, that's fine. Like, if Illinois just has kind of a – a West Lunt kind of year, as long as the run game's good and the defense is, is uh, improved, uh, probably significantly here, I feel like they'll have a chance to do uh, what they can do. Now, it's capable of having, you know, last year's Tanner Morgan season, which is 1,374 yards, like a 58 completion rate, seven touchdowns, you know, 128 pass efficiency. That's fine. Like that, that'd be fine. Like I expect Tanner Morgan to be a little bit better because we've seen him uh, be a little bit better. But uh, my my expectations for him aren't through the roof. I I just need to see him be consistent. Like that's the biggest issue with him. I, maybe this is a lazy take, and I wish I was better at math to like somehow find a, a equation to prorate this. But like, how do you prorate Jeff Driscoll with Tony Peterson and that against that competition to the Big Ten? Right, like. Jeff Driscoll put up pretty good numbers. I think it was like 4,000 yards, excuse me, in some capacity. Yeah, that ain't happening. But how do you prorate that to Big Ten competition, right? right? And, like, if you can get something that would be the equivalent of that or close to the equivalent of that, and it's certainly not those gaudy numbers, that's good. And, like, Tony Peterson has has found a way to connect quickly and effectively with quarterbacks and – you know, we've seen Brandon with at least physically, you know, we, we understand he's got an arm and we understand some of that accuracy of the, the concerns. Everything's on the table with him at this point. Like there's not, I don't think we're going to see something from Brandon and be like, oh, I didn't know he could do that. Or, oh, I didn't know that was a deficiency. I think we more or less know about what he's uh, capable of doing, but we got to see him put it together. I, it's just the highs I, and lows are so different for him. They like, are. It's just like they be, really are. be steady. Like at the end of the year, 
Like, if you're just having a bunch of 200-yard performances with a 60% completion rate and 2-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio, I'll sign up for that. Like, I would you're going sign back up to California. For, yeah, I'd sign up for that in an instant, and you're going to a bowl game. Um, I, just, I just don't know if we can because we just haven't seen that consistently. All right, running backs. My bold prediction, three rushers with 300-plus yards. That's not too yeah. bold. Is that or should I go two for five hundred plus? I got that was I was deciding between those two, but I feel like I, I still feel like Chase Brown's the number one guy. Yeah, and I would bet on him going over six hundred plus yards, and and I'd probably go eight hundred plus yards. But um, I I feel like Reggie Love, Mike Epstein, Chase Hayden. I don't know which of the two, but I feel like two of those guys will go over three hundred. Yeah, I I like the two for five. Um, who would be your second? Like who are you going? Are you going Epstein? Yeah, that, Love? man. Uh, that's I, would I'm, you be most surprised if Hayden was that second guy with 500 plus? Would I be most surprised? Yeah, like would you if you had to rank him? Like, yeah, I think so. I, I do, and I just because I haven't seen him, I, we've never seen him play at Illinois, right? Obviously, and it's been a while since he's really been a factor in college football. And I say that knowing that backs me into a guy who's been injury riddled a little bit, and a guy who had like 12 yards as a true freshman last year. So I understand. And now I say this, I'm like, I know the running back rotation is good, but man, I don't have a lot of evidence to support it. You know what I mean? Like uh, statistically, it's like, it doesn't really back what we think. Well, you, you know, Chase Brown is good. Like we've seen him run and yeah, it is, yeah. it is a joy to watch him run the football. <laughs> um, Mike Epstein when healthy is really good. I think we know Chase Hayden is talented. And I think we know Reggie Love is talented. And I think we know, that this offense and this run game, no matter who they've kind of put there, whether it's Reggie Corbin or Dre Brown or Chase Brown, all talented, uh, but you put them behind this this solid to good offensive line, and they're going to produce. And I, I think this coaching staff and and Bielema and, and Peterson, you know, they're going to run the football. I, I I feel like my confidence level for Illinois football of all things they can do is running the football. I'm like at an eight of eight to ten that they're going to be a top five or top six rushing team in the Big Ten. I'll put Mike Epstein at number two. There you go. I mean, he's just the most proven. And, and look, I just went on about how they love Tank Wright. And, and some of Mike's issues have not been related to any of that. But if you can keep Mike Epstein healthy, I mean, there's a reason his yard per carry is a million, right? I, I mean, he's just – he's a good running back. He's proven it in the Big Ten. And, and you know, I, I just think he's that, he's that guy if he's healthy, which is – such a just an enormous caveat and you hate to say it and you hate to keep going back to it because I'm sure at some point Mike would rather talk about anything he'd rather give us his home address and social security number I think than continue to go on about this uh but I, I just think he's got a, a lot of the tools that they want man and, and we'll see but Reggie Levin intrigues the heck out of me uh, those are my top I mean I don't know any more of the death chart than, than you do or anyone listen to this stuff but I, I those those three are the three guys at the top of my mind yeah I feel like Chase Brown's the hardest to bring down like he he just keeps churning his legs and I think he might have as much top end speed as any of those guys I feel like Mike just has a great overall skill set I feel like he's the best blocker the best receiver one cut and go I just feel like he's so efficient um and then Reggie Love I feel like is the best uh, agility like I think he can make people miss in the open field like he's not quite Reggie Corbin I would say but he's a little bit bigger uh, a little bit bigger than Red Reggie was coming in um so they all got different skill sets and Chase is kind of built like Dre Brown now even though he didn't come into college uh like that so it's a it's a good group all right let's go to the the passing game and receiver options and not a lot of proven guys here Joe and we've talked about that a lot 
So, all right, my bold prediction is it's not even a receiver who leads this team in receptions. I'm going with Daniel Barker, who's not being talked enough about. Last two years, he has finished second on the team in receptions, second in receiving yards, one of the tops in receiving touchdowns behind Josh and Matt Torbebe. Uh, he's got a great rapport with Brandon Peters, who trusts him. Uh, Daniel's got some issues as a blocker at times, but he is a proven pass catcher. And while I would love to go with somebody else who, who a lot of fans are pumped about or even a Donnie Navarro who should be used more, I just think Daniel Barker can be a guy at, at the end of the year that has 40 receptions. Um, and, and that wouldn't surprise me because uh, I feel like he could have been used a little bit more here in, in past years. Uh, I just think in the seam, he's a matchup issue. And, and with this offense, I think they're going to use the tight end a lot. So I don't know if I go 40 receptions, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if he gets to that number. And I just don't see a guy having – 60 50 receptions on, on this team i think the leaders whoever leads this and that you're going to see maybe a couple guys in that 30 to 38 40 range right 40 would be the high number to me 41 42 i don't you know it's hard for me to go higher than that and we you know we have we have i think but largely i don't know that i've heard that much about daniel barker from, from just people around who follow and we should man yeah i asked ben miller about it I asked Ben Miller about him because I felt like no one was talking about it. And I'm like, have you seen, like, what's his next step? He goes, well, he's taking it. <laughs> and he's, they are very excited about him. They should be. And, and you know, we all this to do, right? And I get why we made, like, oh, boy, I bet Luke Ford's the happiest guy in the world. that There's a tight end friendly offense coming in here. And all the while, Daniel Barker's just like, hey, <laughs> right here too, man. Like, he's, he's really talented. He's proven it. And I think guys who, you know, Brett Bielman's got a history. Ben Miller's got a history. They can make it. Tony Peterson, yeah. they love tight ends. Like, this isn't, I don't, we've heard the lip service. I would be floored if it was lip service this year. I'd, I'd absolutely be floored as you just kind of, one, you look at what they believe in, and two, what's around them. Like, those are two of your best, one of your best options in the passing game, period, regardless. How about this bold prediction? The, the two tight ends on the team. Luke Ford and Daniel Barker will have more receptions than the top two receivers. How about that? Oh boy. So like Donnie well, and Isaiah? I would I would think so. Oh boy, that's a bold one because Matt? we just haven't seen it for from Luke. And I, I've got I'm, Luke for about 20, 25, something like that. So if you got Bart, so you're talking 60, roughly 60 between the two? Yeah. 60, 65, something like that. This is the year. Yeah, okay. This is the year. I, I I'm, I'm all in on this tight end thing, man. Like, but I like. I think Barker's gonna be the one guy. I think Luke will be the, the the next guy. Um, but like, I sit there and I go, hey, I like Brian Hightower. We'll see what he can put together. Uh, Don, I think it's gonna be Donnie Navarro and Isaiah Williams getting the most, you know, uh, targets here outside of the receivers. And I just think. Brandon's going to want to go to some big guys, man. Like he's had pretty good history of throwing it up to a big guy and Barker and Ford are, are his guys. You know, I will take that actually, because I think Isaiah is going to lead the team in receptions. Um, one, I think he's really good at football and two would be a fun not. story. <laughs> <laughs> I, two would be a really fun story, but they look, they've not shielded away from this kid. No. And that to me, is the most telling, the most striking, the whole nine yards. Any other, if they didn't know, if there's a bit of doubt, right, I, any other coach would say, well, you know, he just switched from quarterback, and, yeah, that gives him a heads up. But, you know, it's a hard switch and this, that, and the other. And they're just like, man, day one he came in here and did this, and we are like, hello, 
hello, sweet wide receiver. We're good here. And, and they've really, really doubled down, tripled down. Everything they could do, they've not hidden from it. And I just think this is a, a coaching staff that's been around long enough to like not be duped if, if they didn't really believe it. And so, so to circle this back, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, if I let's peg him at, as I said, 37 to 42, which is, I think, still a little high. Where are the other 20 some odd coming from to get to that 60 number of Ford and Barker? And maybe it's Donnie. I, I think I don't know like, why he didn't play more last year, Donnie. Like, no, I, I, I get, I get it, man. Like you had some more talented pieces, bigger people. I'm like, you need somebody to get separation and get open. And Donnie, even though he's not the biggest, fastest, or strongest, he just found a way to get open. Um, and like Brandon can go to it. He knows he can. He'll be there. And I just didn't know why he didn't play a bigger role last year. I, you know, Donnie had look. It, it, so when I've done this, and I, I kind of have talked to you a little bit about it. It's hard to look like 2020 happened, but if you're trying to make any comparisons. It's really hard to look at that as anything substantial. So Donnie had 27 receptions in 2019. So let's generously give Isaiah 33, 34, 35. That could fight it, right? That could get right up there with Ford and Barker. And that is is where I struggle a little bit because I think Isaiah is going to be a really big deal here. And I think anytime people think Donnie Navarro might not be, I'm not saying the coaching staff does, but he gets overlooked a little bit just broadly from fans and sometimes from media, he does things, man. And like he had 27 receptions when he had just shown up from Valpo. Right. And I mean, he sat out the year, but like, it's hard. Yeah. Okay, my, my, my bold prediction is those are your top two in receptions. I don't know how bold that is um, yeah. because I like Brian Hightower top two wide receiver options. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, and I think Isaiah leads the team. But Donnie just shows up all the stinking time, man. See, the thing about Isaiah is I could see him having like 50 catches, right? Yeah. Or I could see him having 20 catches and 30 carries. I, I just don't know how they will use him. Are they using him like like Rondale, where it's, it's a slot receiver, true slot receiver, and you get him quick hit, hits and, and then he goes? Or are you just putting the ball in his hands on jet sweeps, kind of like more like Wandale Robinson, who, who did more of that, right? So... I'm just really interested to see how they get him the ball and what kind of ways they get him the ball and how consistent he is as a pass catcher too. So um, that's not a, that's not a terrible bold prediction. I, I thought you'd go Isaiah leading the team in receptions. And I think it'd be fun to see, man. Um, I think these are hard to do in college, but shuttle passes, those count, baby. That's one. That's one. I don't know, man. It, it, I, I agree with you though. I think there's ways they can do it without throwing him the football. And, and that is such an intrigue. Here's what I'm, it's not bold at all he's going to be a huge part of the yeah. offense. I mean, just an absolutely enormous, massive, all of the nine yards part of this offense. All right. How about, do you have any deep cuts or crazy ones? Like I'm going one tip rhyme and touchdown. Oh, heck yeah. One tip rhyme and touchdown. And uh, I'm going to go with Dale Von Campbell having like the fifth most receptions on the team. Just, just a random, like there'll be an injury. Yeah. And Dale Vaughn comes in and plays and gets like 10 receptions or, or like 12 receptions on there. Maybe it's like fifth or sixth, but something like that. Just a name to know. By week nine, we might be saying that Pat Bryant was one of the most ready true <laughs> freshmen on this team. There you go. Because I think he, he's got a he's got a really good chance here. My deep cut, Max Rosenthal, over 1.5 rushing touchdowns. <laughs> under, under. 
<laughs> He's got a neck roll. He's got a neck roll. Fullback dies all the way there. Uh, he gets one. I don't know that he gets two, but I think he gets one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's. Uh, I mean, do we have any offensive line ones? I, I have no questions about the offensive line at this point. I think right guard still, but yeah. I don't have that many questions. All right, my bold one, two Illinois offensive linemen get drafted. Paucho and Darren Lowe. Yes, Paucho. Yeah. I, I think we're overlooking him a little bit, and he's got the knee injury to come back from. we got to see him. But, I mean, this is all Big Ten third-team guy in 2019. He is a ferocious run blocker. I think he's playing a little out of position in college because he's long, right? And maybe he can play right tackle in the NFL. I don't think he's great at pass blocking, but uh, I think he could be a road-grading guard and that could possibly play swing tackle as well. Um, so I, if he's healthy, I think people are overlooking him a little bit. But I do think Illinois has got like a top-half tackle group in the Big Ten, which is saying a lot given the teams that are in the Big Ten. But I'm, that, that'll be my bold prediction. Those two uh, are NFL draft picks next year. Breakout season for Julian Pearl. And, like, I know last year – I know that I think he could start at right guard. Um, and as you said, I wonder, like we had kind of kicked it around early in spring a little bit, but like, could he play tackle and could you move Paltrow inside? Yeah. I, I mean, is that a possibility? I don't, I don't know that that'll happen, but I think, I think there's a lot, there's too much of, Hey, Julian looks really good to not see Julian Pearl this year. All right. I'm just going to throw this one out there. I don't think it happens. He was added for depth and I think there'll probably be an injury. So he plays. But should we bring up the theory? Could they redshirt Jack Bedovinak if he doesn't start? Uh, I, I wouldn't waste him on special teams is what I'm saying. So, like, right. keep him under four games. He could redshirt, and then he's a starter for you next year as Jarisati and Kramer move on. Like, it, would, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have that guy uh, in the middle of your offensive line, which is going to have huge questions in 2022. So I'm not predicting it. I'm just throwing out I've thought that theory. I think it could pass, but I also, you know, here, here's, I mean, this is going to be a conversation for football, for basketball. And, and as we move forward and tell these, all these guys who have been around from last year with this COVID thing goes away and, and they've exhausted their eligibility. It takes two to tango here. One, the coaching staff's got to want them back. And, and I'm not saying that's not going to be the case for Bedovinak. I think the bigger thing is, is Dude, a lot of people aren't hankering to stay around school for six years. Sitting Van Wilder, man. Yeah. Like I, I think people are gonna want to move on with their lives and collect paychecks. I don't, dude. I have not spoken a word to Jack Bedovinak. I don't know. I, I just think that so much thought goes into okay. All these guys have what we knew of their eligibility plus one, and they do, but they've got to want it. It's got to work for both parties. And I don't know that that always happens, but it is an interesting theory, right? <laughs> Like you could, could do it, and there's nothing telling you you can't do it. Yeah, because he's played four years. I don't think he's already had four or five, right? Like I, I don't. I should have probably thought about that. Like, did he? I forgot which year he got the Colgate, but um, yeah, it's just it's just an interesting thought if it if it is possible, um, because you know he's he's definitely unknown that they don't really have on the interior next year. Um, so yeah, his first year was 2017. So he's uh. He's played four years, but he had a free year. So if he read, he's still got a red shirt year to use if he wants to. I think like that. that I think yeah. I don't know how it works when you transfer school though. You know, like because yeah. Well, Plummer Alfonso Plummer did it in basketball. Yeah. It just counts on your scholarship at that point. Yeah. Um, just interesting. Just an interesting theory. Could be done. <laughs> could be done. We'll see if it happens. All right, defense. 
this is where I struggle, man. <laughs> like, this is where I really, really struggle. I'm going to throw one out there. Um, I think Devin Witherspoon's going to be the best DB on this team. Like, really? I like I like Tony Adams. I like the known of Tony Adams. I think he's much better at cornerback. But I, Devin Witherspoon made some plays last year. He's so good against the run. He's this wiry guy who doesn't have any business throwing his face into like some of these tackles, but he does. He's really he's one of the best tacklers on the team, especially in the open field. And then last year he made some plays against Bo Melton and Rashad Bateman, where he went up and stole the ball from those elite or really great Big Ten wide receivers. And you can tell Aaron Henry loves him. It sounds like he is the energy of that cornerback room, while Tony's kind of the, the quiet leader. Um, so I'm going to go with Devin Witherspoon, kind of turns himself into a, a next-level uh, Big Ten cornerback who might be getting some, you know, by the end of the year, could sneakily get, like, all Big Ten honorable mention or something. I will go a little further down because I still think there's a lot of intrigue to me, and I'm not trying to knock Kendall Smith, but I think there's a lot of intrigue to me about that number three corner. Um, who who might it be? Taz. I, wanna, I think it's Tavion Nicholson, and I might not be that bold because I feel like we've talked about him, but like this guy was really buried last year on the depth chart, and it, it just sounds like he's had a little bit of a – you know, he's connected with this coaching staff and he's played fairly well. And frankly, if there were ever a time to be an unproven cornerback at Illinois, trying to find your way onto the field, it's literally right this second. And I think he can, he can be that guy who evolves into a third cornerback and somebody you feel okay. I mean, I wouldn't say you're, you're thrilled because he did not play in a game last year and you've never seen it, but he could be that guy. I'm interested in him. All right, uh, mine in the front. I'm going to go with Johnny Newton is top three on the team in tackles for loss, which which is a big number for a defensive lineman, okay? So that's probably double digits I'm shooting for there. Uh, you would expect Owen Carney to be very high up there. I'd expect Jake Hansen to be very high up there. And Isaiah Gay should be, right? Um, those are the three guys I'd kind of list pretty high in that group. Maybe the other linebacker. Uh, I just I think Johnny Newton is so talented, and he's up to 290 pounds. Last year he was playing at what 270 as a true freshman, and he made he had the Purdue game might have been the best game by an Illinois defensive lineman last year, um, where he made a huge impact. So that's a this is a really bold prediction by me, but I just think Johnny Newton, even though Keith Randolph thinks me really good at what he does, I think Johnny's a little bit different of a player. If he gets upfield, he disrupts things. I think Keith's going to be more of a stalwart kind of run stopper. Uh, I think Johnny can can be a big factor on the front of this defense. You know, I would imagine it's going to help playing next to Rod Perry, who just eats some eats some guys up on that line, and that might help help Johnny. You know, I, it's not bold to say that Owen Carney's going to. Last year, it would have been bold to say Owen Carney's going to lead the team in sacks, but I don't think the team leader in sacks has more than than seven. And I know that's still you know decently high number, but I think that's the top for me. Right, I can't imagine somebody with eight or nine or, you know, I mean, Wally Batiku was so dominant in non-conference that year that he had, I think it was nine, nine and a half. And then it fizzled off. And I still need to see a little bit more from Owen Carney. Um, and I know this coaching staff has gone out of their way to praise him, but I just. Well, four and a half of his five sacks came in two games, right? He had, he had three against Purdue and one and a half against Nebraska. So it's, can, can he be consistent with it? Yeah. 
So I think he okay. So let's say he's we we agree it's not bold to say he's number one on the team in sacks. I, I think that's what we expect. I don't think it's higher than seven. Is Seth Coleman number two, or do you do we still think I? Because I don't know how much he's going to play. I, um, I I go my bold prediction might be Isaiah Gay leads the team in sacks. Really? That, that, that might be my. I think he's a more natural pass rusher. I Owen Carney yeah. to me is more of like a. I think he's a good overall player. Um, I think he's I think he's a pretty consistent. Like when it comes to just down to down stuff, I, I think most of his sacks last year, if I'm remembering correct, like most of them were were second effort sacks. Like it was just like, hey, hang in there, hang in there, keep keep going at the quarterback, three seconds, four, and yeah, he got the sack. I think Isaiah Gay is that guy who can get him like that, like quick. It's just the concerns about Isaiah Gay is again consistency. Like towards the end of 2019, I thought he was their best uh, edge rusher. And then in 2020, he had some good performances, but then Seth Coleman was starting games over him late last season. So um, my bold prediction would probably be, I, I just think Isaiah is more naturally talented pass rusher. It's just, we haven't seen it. I, I, I think Owen Carney's floor is way higher than Isaiah Gaze. Are we sleeping on Isaiah Gay a little bit? I mean, I never have. I've always thought he could be really good. Uh, it's just, I think this defense is so, like being a two- uh, a two-point stance edge rusher, stand-up edge rusher, is perfect for Isaiah Gay. That's always what he's been. Um, and it was kind of like Lovey Smith, you know, recruited him, saw the talent in him, but it just felt like hand-on-the-ground defensive end. That's never really what Isaiah Gay was going to be. I'll say I don't think Jake Hansen breaks a single-season fumble, or breaks a career fumble record. I, I just – not – I mean, which sounds silly because he had like – was it, I think, nine in 2019, something just – Stupid! Like that so is a, seven, an seven and stupid. nine games. Yeah, yeah. That that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Right. Like but that then he's going to get two against Adrian Martinez on Saturday because Adrian fumbles a lot, and you're going to be like, "Oh, that was dumb." And then I'm going to have to delete this again <laughs> from the internet. This will not be here on Monday. Let's be upfront about it. This bold predictions podcast is gone. That's why they're bold predictions, though. These are kind of like stupid, uh, borderline irresponsible, right? Yeah, I, I just think that's a lot, and and obviously, and look. Obviously, you always want to get takeover or takeaways, right? Like that's, but Lovey, like really, that we wrote about it until our hands fell off. That like that is some, but now does this staff? We just don't know what this staff prioritizes. Is it rip, strip, and yank, or is it get them to the ground? Right? We just don't know, and we'll see that on Saturday. But I, I, I don't. I think he leads the team in tackles. That's not. That's not at all bold. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he breaks that record. And maybe it, it, he doesn't need a lot. I think he needs four to break it, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, to fully break, I should probably look at that before I just start screaming. Yeah, he's got four to break it. Yeah. Which, what, what, didn't know, Whitney man. Merciless have nine in one season? Like, that was one of the – it's the best seven seasons I've yeah, ever, yeah, yeah. ever yes, seen correct. from Illinois. That's insane. Yeah. I don't even understand that. I cannot wrap my mind around that. Um, it's the most dominant. I, I think if you look in the history of Illinois athletics and this, I'm not using this like lightly because Dick Buckus played here, Red Grange played here, but in the modern era, I don't know if there's been as dominant of a single season as Whitney Merciless. Like I, I know what Brandon Lloyd did. I know what David Williams did. I know what some of those quarterbacks did. I know the running backs like Rashard Mendenhall had a ridiculous uh, 2007, like Juice Williams and Regis Ben and Jay Layman. I, I get it. People, Rashard Mendenhall was awesome, <laughs> just absolutely awesome. Um, but Whitney Merciless's year was was as dominant of a single performance as as I I think I've seen. Yeah, I mean, do those numbers? Those numbers are stupid. <laughs> I just I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I think 
it's just hard, man. Forcing fumbles like that's really hard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any deeper cuts on defense? I'll I'll go with one. I'm gonna go because of injuries at some point. Keontae Curry, freshman, starts a game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I totally. And here's the thing: I don't know where the heck it's gonna be. It could be at corner. It could be at star. It could be at safety. I have absolutely no idea. It's very similar to where I, what I think Eddie Smith can be defensively, right? Where you can play him at a couple positions or at that star. Uh, but I, you know, I said Taz, but Keontae Curry is, I mean, I, I think he could be a guy. Yeah, I, I'd give him a start. Okay. Do you have any schedule things here? Yeah, call. That's a good call. Um, like, do you have like a game you have circled as like, yep, this is the upset pick. Uh, I, I did not really pick any upsets in my, sure, <laughs> my season. Like, I should have picked a game like, oh, they lose to you at TSA, but beat Virginia. Like, that would have been uh, the fun thing, kind of a whirlwind there. I'll say, they're four, I'll say they're 4-0 Friday night against Maryland. Wow. Why not? I mean, <laughs> I'd say the hardest one is, is week zero against Nebraska, right? Virginia's pretty good. Virginia's pretty tough, but – Maryland's dude, got a good quarterback. If they're 2-0, and they're buying – all of it. And they're probably already buying it, but like the hell with it. I, I just do it. Right. I, yeah. if, if I got to do something stupid, bold, that's obviously going to end up biting me in the butt in three weeks, I'll do it. I want to say this is the year they beat Northwestern. I really do. Northwestern returns eight starters, <laughs> right? They, they only return eight starters. They lose their quarterback. Cam Porter's out for the year. Uh, wide receivers, they lost all their main wide receivers. Greg Newsom's gone. Their linebackers, Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher, are gone. So I should pick Illinois to beat Northwestern, right? But every time I think Northwestern's going to have a down year, they're awesome. Every time I think they're going to be awesome, they have a down year. So it's the opposite. I can never pick uh, against uh, Pat Fitzgerald against Illinois because, one, he's won six in a row, and I think, what, 10 of 14 uh, against Illinois. But every time I feel like they're going to be – they're vulnerable, they, they end up not being vulnerable at all. I'll also say it straight up. If this were week five against Purdue, I'd be more er, – in place of Purdue – I'd be more likely to do. I have not seen Illinois healthy against Northwestern. I, I will not get away from that. It's the last week of the season. I have to see that Illinois is continuously healthy. And if they are, then maybe I'd be a little more likely to go that route, given everything you just said about what Northwestern lost. But dude, that is like, we have seen it with a team with no depth and injuries hit and you start getting into the Saturday after Thanksgiving and and the injury report is like 400 people long. You're trying to figure out who in the world could possibly catch a pass. And or by the way, it's raining, it's raining and freezing and enjoy the game, kids. It, I just, it's really hard. But all the kids are at uh, home. All the kids are at home because it's Thanksgiving break. That's the problem. I did skip this. And I'll say that I think – I want to go back to the quarterbacks. I think we know one and two. I think Ryan Johnson's the third quarterback. Ooh, yeah. That's a deep cut. Love it. That's it, man. I, <laughs> I think he is the third quarterback on this team. And, and, and you know, maybe I'm wrong because Brett Bielema said something that Matt Robinson last night on his radio show that Matt Robinson had a nice camp. But I thought Ryan Johnson was kind of a sneaky, solid little find. I mean, as long as you know what you expect him to come in and be. Backup. Uh, which is – backup is like, hey, hey, look at this. I mean, he's climbed up a little bit. If that two and a half to three on the depth chart, I think he's the third. Which says a lot about how different and what they thought about the quarterback room. Like I, I thought Rod Smith really improved the talent in the quarterback room, but it's something completely different from what this staff wants. If you have, I mean, we already know three of the top four guys uh, are Brandon Peters, right? Ryan Johnson, who they just brought in as a D2 transfer from Northern Michigan, uh, Art Sikowski, 
And Matt Robinson's hanging on in that four deep. But Karan Taylor's playing safety where I, I just don't think it's an expectation. He gets on the field very much. Isaiah Williams, that wide receiver. Deuce Span has fallen behind a, a D2 transfer. Like Samari Collier came in, and I think he's got some potential, but a long way to go. Like, I... You know, I don't think Deuce is going to stick quarterback, um, and, if, and if he does, it might be somewhere else other than Illinois. So I, I just don't know if I'm going to see him in that three deep uh, at some point. That just tells you how how much of a renovation we talked about. Receiver, that quarterback room's undergoing a huge renovation. I think it continues this offseason. Like I, I would expect them to be in the transfer portal again to add some competition to Art Sikowski and and whoever's left in that room, whether it's Johnson or, or Matt Robinson or Samari Collier uh, and Donovan Leary, right? Like I'm not counting on Donovan Leary to be a two or three on my depth chart next year. All right. So let's say it's October 9th. Wisconsin's in town. Yeah. James McCord is preparing for what he hopes is, is another moment where he passes out at the bottom of his team who has played their way into a starting spot that week. That's week five, six. That's the seventh game of the season. It's hmm. a good question. You're not telling me how good they are, huh? I'm not telling you how good they are. I'm not, not even injury wise. This isn't like so-and-so got hurt. And now they've got to put this in as somebody who just Devin Witherspoon their way into yeah. a starting spot. Um, I would have said this if we if we weren't talking about it, but like I would have said Quan Martin. I, I I just love the way he ended last year, but I would expect him to start Week One. Uh, I just I think he played as well as any safety last year. It's just it's so hard because so many of these guys are I feel like givens, right? Like That's what I'm saying, yeah. Like there very there is there is a a drop off, and and that's what's such the concern of 2022 is you go from Brandon Peters to somewhat known but do you feel satisfied with Art Sikowski going as your no, no doubt number one next year running back you're fine right um but wide receiver is it Jafar Armstrong or Eddie like is it Eddie Smith or Jafar Armstrong after you know more months with the staff and the guys in front of them struggling whether it's Casey Washington doesn't play all that well and, and they like all right Jafar get in there we, we need to see what you can do or you know maybe pray their Hudson or or Quan Martin or Sidney Brown don't play well. And they're like, Eddie Smith, we need some talent in there. We need somebody to make some plays. So probably probably Jafar or Eddie, I, I would say, if they don't, you know, aren't starters right away. And we expect Prather Hudson to start at the star position when that's out there. Yeah, I think Eddie Smith makes sense to me. I think Jafar, I'm a little, I just don't know. I mean, we haven't heard a lot really about either one of these guys. I don't want to put Jafar out there. Like we have, We just haven't. There hasn't been much there. Uh, maybe it's because we've not asked. I don't know. But Eddie Smith makes sense to me to be that guy because it's exactly what we talked about with Curry. I think he can play. There's a couple different spots on the field that if someone's not playing well, you can slot him in there, be it safety, nickel, or corner. Or maybe it's somebody like Bedovinak or Pilstrom. If, if Julian Pearl does start and there's yeah. struggles or something like that. like maybe, maybe it's, it's Julian Pearl, right? Yeah. I mean, I, who leads the team in interceptions? I think it's I think it's Devin. Really? Yeah, because I think I think they're going to be concerned about Tony. Forget a little bit about thirty-one over there. It, I mean, I should probably take a safety. Uh, I was going to say I'm taking Sydney. I, I mean, Sydney's got a knack for it a little bit. He's got to be on the field. He's got to be on the right coverage, which struggled with last year. But I take Devin or Quan. I think that's who I'm taking. Quan's a good call. I, uh, you know, people are sleeping I'm, on those I'm, two. I'm one DBs. Who could not get away from buying into all the interceptions this guy had as a freshman. I completely overlook him now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's probably one of the two safeties. Um, 
All right. I don't think it's a lot, by the way. I don't think it's a lot of interceptions. All right, so I tweeted out that we were doing our bold predictions pod, and people within a half hour, here's what, here's some of them that I got. Nine and three, when we make it to the Big Ten championship game, Eric said. Is Eric building Brett Beal in the statue? Yeah. <laughs> you would after that first year, right? Oh, my gosh. The, the, the Great West Hall brought to you by Brett Beal Memorial <laughs> Stadium. Drew said, we upset a top 25 team. What would be like, not the team, like you're not predicting the upset, but the most likely. I'm like, who would it be? Well, you got to look at how many teams are going to be in the top 25. It just, and so it's not Penn State. Um, no, I think there's Iowa? too much talent. I think Iowa would be it. Because I don't know if Northwestern is going to be in the top 25, right? I don't think Purdue will be either, right? Not, I don't think I Virginia mean, will. There's not many opportunities. It's Wisconsin, Penn State, probably Iowa, maybe Minnesota if they're having a good year, maybe Northwestern. I think it's – and I don't think they beat Iowa, but I think the most likely yeah. candidate there would be Iowa. Yeah, I predicted that as a one-score game. Wisconsin, Penn State, I didn't have as close. I just don't – I don't like those matchups uh, whatsoever. I, I know what happened two years ago against Wisconsin. I, just, I also remember what happened – Last year and like twelve years prior to that, I told I think I messaged you this. I don't feel bad saying it out loud. When Jake Ferguson goes to the league for the, the tight end from from Wisconsin, he has got to give Lovey some sort of portion. The, uh, the, of those his... fourth round highlights by Mel Kiper are going to have a lot of Illinois on it. Oh my <laughs> goodness, man! I, I can already see empty Camp Randall, Jake Ferguson. Just uh, no one's even near him. Just doing his thing uh, quickly. Any. Any game winners for James McCord? I mean, he has one a year. It's kind of bad. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're going against the odds, really. It's bold to say no. I think they're going to have a lot of close games. Like I, I, I do. do. I, I think they're going to have a lot of close games. I think a lot of these teams are very even. And that's that's what's so difficult about the schedule is, like, you said earlier, it's a difficult schedule. I don't know if i call it difficult. It's just there's not a lot of – it's actually a pretty – advantageous one for what the big 10 is there's just not a lot of givens like i can't sit there and go yep that Rutgers is is a no doubt win like while illinois should be favored and i feel like they need to win that game if they want to have a successful season that's very difficult like they're they're a much better team than they were my candidates for if it happened would be Rutgers or virginia virginia sounds like a good one out east just team still feeling each other out yeah Yep, people early partying season. in champagne early. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to some more of these. Backup quarterback Art wins three games. That no. had to be an injury, like a bad injury. I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I And I, I say that because I, I feel like I'm not giving the credence to the idea that Brandon could struggle and get benched, but just in the words that they're saying, it is a little hard for me to feel like the leash is short enough to get to get benched. And then get benched early enough where Art could win three games. Yeah, I think he'd have to struggle for Brandon would have to struggle a couple games to get benched. But I do think I felt like last year they they should have they should have benched Brandon probably midway through that Iowa game. Even though they had a great he had an unbelievable start to that game. It was a ten of eleven, two touchdowns. Like, but then he was really bad after that. Um, I thought they they left him in too long the next game. Um, I think it was Northwestern. It was like get somebody else in there. Um, I, I don't think they'll be as married if, if he has those kind of performances, but I, I think he'll be better, um, just how much better. Double A cards. We start 0-2, beat Penn State on the road. Defense greatly improves over the course of the season, and the lads send us to a bowl game. Then we beat Northwestern at home on a walk-off field goal. That's a lot of bold predictions right there. 0-2, beat Penn State. 
Look, I don't know what Double A Card's financial situation is like, but if you put a small bet on all of those things happening, I will happily take ten percent of whatever you win if that happened because we read it out loud. Yeah. Uh, Wes, Chase Brown receives Heisman votes. Okay, is the guy who has been all aboard the Chase Brown train since he committed to Illinois, wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go quite that far, but I mean, I think Chase Brown, like if he stays healthy, it would not shock me if he got to a thousand yards, but that is very difficult, right? We know how difficult that is. And in modern football, they're going to run a lot of running backs. They're going to want to keep him fresh. So I don't see him like him having 300 carries, this year but if he's got 200 carries he might be around that number so but that's not heisman stuff like heisman stuff is 150 plus yards per game and remember how reggie corbin got there the last one to get a thousand it was like a couple just mammoth long runs and and i'm not saying chase cannot do that but reggie was a little more i mean he, he benefited like heck from, from those really long runs I don't think yeah, Heisman votes probably a pretty firm no for me. But if there were two guys you had to say would be first team all Big Ten candidates, who would those two guys be? Or more, but I don't think it's more. I know it's a boring pick, but Jake Hansen. Yep. Be yep. one. And then Absolutely. I think I'd go Vidarian. Just the sheer number of offensive linemen in the Big Ten scares me. Hard. From, from programs that are going to get a little more love, right, traditionally with offensive linemen. Um, like, so Chase would be somebody if he comes close to what, but then again, like Ohio State's got a running back, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Penn State's going to have a running, like people are going to have running back. So it's hard. I, I think Jake is like the one I feel most comfortable in saying, like if there were somebody, but then I'm probably caught somewhere in stereotypes about Illinois, right? And other programs are going to play into it, but I, somewhere with Bedarian and, and Chase Brown is my next, grouping and, and i don't think maybe carney may, maybe carney just because if, carney, you, yeah. if you have enough sacks you, you're gonna be gonna get some attention like carol sure. phillips had nine and a half sacks i think and he was first teamer um what about i mean it's not isaiah right there's just too many ohio state's gonna have how many first teamers on this wide receivers I mean, loaded in the big 10 yeah. man especially Parker washington especially in that uh, east Jahan dotson is is great um you know i know Ottman bell got kind of hurt in training camp but he's really good uh, in Minnesota, Nebraska's got some talented guys, so um, pretty loaded group. Uh, at where, do you put, where do you put Daniel Barker? I mean, if you if you got Daniel Barker at 35, 40 catches, I mean, he'd be, he'd be he'd probably be picked on one of the teams or honorable mention yeah. at least. But, but yeah, uh, Ferguson's still in the Big Ten, so Penn yeah. State's always got good tight ends. Laporta's pretty solid. Laporta, yeah. So I, I think it'd be difficult to get there, but if you have like fifty catches. Got a great chance uh, of doing something like that. Uh, Illinois finishes, Andy says, above Northwestern in the Big Ten West. I can't say no to it because Northwestern does do this up and down thing. Um, so maybe this is the down year. And it's based on the roster. It's it's decent year to pick the down year. It's just I, I can never do that with Pat Fitzgerald. I, I know it's not popular around here to say. I have too much respect for that guy uh, to, to pick Northwestern to be bad. I cannot believe every Big Ten coach should personally drive him to Hallis Hall this off season and just make the bears film out of there. Right. I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine with it. I, I, mean, I, I would approve of that if I were actually as a bears fan on this podcast. I understand Ryan days, like the hot shot in the big 10. I get that. And I, and I'm not saying Pat Fitzgerald's the best coach in the big 10, but man, I, I cannot imagine Ryan day reunion with Justin Fields. Isn't a bad idea. <laughs> I just can't imagine people would, big 10 coaches would have been sad to see him go. Right. Illinois like, fans should be pumped about that. If that happened one, you know, he's a good coach. Uh, and I think he'd resonate well 
um, with NFL players. Now he had to hire a really good offensive coordinator, in my opinion. But um, it's the one job I think he'd leave Northwestern for is is the Bears because his kids could still live in the air. It'd be perfect for him. Plus, you get him the heck out of Northwestern. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, man. It's uh, I, I cannot believe Big Ten coaches and personally driving there. All right, Sean said Illinois six and zero heading into homecoming game against Wisconsin. This is a great way to wrap up the podcast. Because in August, there are so many possibilities. It, it's hope. It, it springs eternal this time of year. Hey, I got four with you, Sean. I'm not buying the, the next two. Uh, actually, I guess if I say that, the only one I'm not buying is Maryland and – wait, 6 no, is isn't right, is it? County. It, oh, yeah. I guess I'd be not buying Maryland or Purdue. Yeah. You know, man. Sean's, Sean's not crazy. Can we get the last one? Corey says Illinois wins one game by forfeit due to COVID. I don't. This isn't well, the SEC. Well, here's the, th- here's the thing. Um, I think that's very less likely this year to happen because in the Big Ten, at least, I think we've seen very high um, vaccine rates, right? And that doesn't mean they can't get it. Um, obviously, if you have a vaccine, there could be some breakthrough cases. But the point is you're not going to have this contact tracing, which is what Illinois had, what, two guys that got COVID uh, during that time when they the Purdue game and, and Minnesota game. There are a couple guys late in the year. I think uh, Tony Adams got it late in the year. But most of those guys out were, were due to contact tracing. With a vaccine, those guys aren't out due to contact tracing, right? you got to test positive to be out. And you know, I think that's going to be what? Ten guys have to test positive in one week uh, to even be in a, a conversation? Even then, I don't think that's going to happen. So, um, I, I think it. I think that's very unlikely. Very unlikely. Yeah, and, and it's exactly. Remember last year. I mean, remember these guys live three, four, five guys live together, right? That's how you saw the big numbers. It was all roommates. You can trace it back all you want. This wasn't the whole quarterback room, the whole X number room. This was just all roommates. So I, I think you're right. And frankly, I just hope, man. I don't want to deal that, that Ohio State game was such a a pain because one is we like doing our job they like to play and you just don't want that man it stinks i think it's a reminder though that we could have guys miss the game because we got positive covid test like i I mean they're you know i think they're trying to be smart about hey should we go to this setup they're masking in in university obviously they they do uh they don't have to test anymore when they got vaccines but there are precautions that they have but at the same time you could have a guy have a breakthrough case and miss a game like that that still can happen and i think you'll see that at some point with illinois this year right i, I that's that'd be a surprise if it doesn't but it's not from what one of the big tens told us nothing so it wouldn't be three games right and, right. and that is like the whole holy smokes difference Feels like feels like they would I probably should ask this, but it feels like they'd just go through the normal like, all right, here's your, you know, quarantine period. We'll do our heart screening, and then you're back within a week, week and a half. I would imagine. Well, what if you test negative? I don't know. You know, you yeah. just don't know. I I'm assuming CDC guidelines are going to be, um, you know, part part of this here, but I don't think it's likely that games are going to get canceled boy i hope not right well i'm just thinking like the the sec or the acc were very um much more lenient on those guys coming back so it was like seven to ten days right Uh, i think trevor lawrence missed one game uh and and then he came back which you know contact tracing in the big 10 
this more just in contact tracing. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were much more nervous about the myocarditis issue, uh, which I think was well-intentioned, uh, but obviously yeah. hurt teams like Illinois uh, in that season. It didn't hurt teams like Ohio State that they canceled the game. All right, I think we threw enough bold predictions out there, unless you got any more there, Joey. No, I'm scrubbing this on the internet Monday morning when all of mine go awry. So, so I'm saying I don't want to. I don't want to set up any false hope. This is going to be there Tuesday. I'm, I'm just telling you. All right, uh, everybody, enjoy the game. Enjoy the week. We'll be on after the game for our post-game podcast. Have actual football to break down. Some actual evidence on the field of what this all looks like. I'd be like, ah, maybe we should uh, roll back the expectations a little bit. Or hey, look what the heck Brett Bielema it can do at Illinois uh, against Nebraska. And Scott Frost, a little nervous. Uh, so that'd be can a fun one, Can I get one more bold prediction? One more. I want to hear yours too. First play of the game. Is what offensive play? I should say play action pass to. Oh, I gotta go. My guy Daniel Barker <laughs> over the seam. Two tight ends. Luke Ford. Field. It happens again. It happens again. Luke, Luke Ford. Ford first play of the year. It's a oh different. It's a new era. Perfect. Uh, I, I like to think of the fireworks going off after a completed pass in the middle of a drive for a Luke Ford first catch. <laughs> the fireworks go off. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Williams, does he get the, like, cause you could tell like Tony Peterson's excited to use him. He goes, I, I hope is, I think he said some point the, uh, yeah. during his press conference. And he, I mean, I think you transcribed it. Um, it was basically, I hope his first play is a big one. Wink, Can wink. You do that? I don't I give me, <laughs> I, I think Brandon turns around, hands it to chase and says, go chase, go. And, and chase gets five or six yards. And the tone is set. Honorary mention to a Luke Ford five-yard reception, and the play goes absolutely wild. Yeah, Bronx cheer, the first play of the season. Yeah, I, I, I just kind of want to go the opposite of what I expect, which is probably just a simple handoff to Chase Brown. That makes the most sense in the world, and it would be very on brand. But I wonder if Bielema just – Bielema's got some showmen to him. So – and Tony Peterson might have some showmen to him too, and, and to get the crowd into it. But you also don't want a turnover. So I can also just be like, give the ball oh to Chase God, Brown, run behind Alex Palczewski and Doug Kramer. That's fine. Can you imagine you ask Brandon Peters to throw it to the moon and it gets picked <laughs> off on the first offensive play of the Beal? Oh, my uh, God. Oh, no. All I'd of that. Back out of there before I had to, I'd close Twitter forever. It's yeah. over. All right, that's our Bold Predictions podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll talk to you after the game. Everybody stay cool, have fun, hydrate a little bit before you get into the game, and uh, we will talk to you on Saturday night. Everybody take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Thanks.